Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj. All right, welcome to Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor. I am your host, Victor Dadash. I hope you are having an amazing day so far. Today, we have one amazing guest. She is a speaker. She's an author, business coach, brand and marketing expert, entrepreneur, and also does services in real estate. Let's welcome Bethany Meadows. How are you doing today, Bethany? Hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's great to have you on. So I'd like to get started by asking you to, uh, you know, please share your story. How did you wind up becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah, so that's kind of a long story, but I'll try and keep it short. Um, Basically, I had uh, a one child and I adopted a sibling group of four children when my biological was 11 years old and the children were eight, nine, 10 and 11 when I got them. Um, Two years later, I actually had a business at the time and I sold the business so I could 100% focus on the children and homeschooling them and you know, just just focusing on the transition of them to our family. And two years after the adoption was final, uh, my husband left. Um, so I I went from one to five children. And two years later, I was doing it as a single mom. I was homeschooling and I knew it was the best thing for the kids. So um, I relied on my background in marketing and I, st- I started a marketing agency in 2008 called Vertical Solutions Media. And basically, my, my why at the moment was just so that I could be flexible and continue to homeschool my children and keep a roof over our heads and food on the table. Um, of course, the kids are now grown. My youngest is 29, just turned 29 this month. Um, so... You know, the, my why has changed over the years, um, and I've been very blessed to have a great business that has been successful, and it's funny, you know, like my whole mindset, I guess, around when I started it was really just to be a Band-Aid uh, for the situation I found myself in, um, but it, it ended up being a lifelong career. All right. No, that's, uh, thanks for sharing that story. So basically at the time, you know, you, you had a kid, you had one child and then you adopted four siblings. So your family expanded from one kid to five. So you decided to spend time at home looking after and taking care of them, homeschooling them. And then unfortunately your husband left. So left you in a very difficult position. Um, you know, you know, five kids yeah. by yourself, single mom, trying to uh, look after and then, you went back to your background in being, a, you know, in marketing, and then you started your own, you know, business, Vertical Solutions Media, back in 2008. And, you know, over the years, you know, you've had a lot of success. So, um, I'm gonna, and I'm going to ask you some questions about the business in a minute, but sure. I'd like to focus on the fact at the time, at 2008, you were raising five years by yourself, and it was a really difficult time. And, you know, you did have a marketing background which helped, but there are a lot of people in your position that are saying, wow, it's tough economics. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to get through this. Oh, I'm starting my own business, but I have very little money, and I don't know how to get out of this. How, how can I survive? How can I become successful? Because it seems like the odds are against me. And it looks like at the time, the odds were against you, but you overcame the adversity, and you became very successful. Yeah, so I would say that um, 
you know, sometimes when we, from the outside looking in, when we see people that we perceive as being successful, um, it they make it look easy, right? <laughs> they they kind of just it looks like well they got lucky or um, you know they 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 just had some sort of favor. Um, or they had the right connections or whatever it is. And the truth is, yeah, you know, it's nice if things can go your way. But the, I've learned over the years that the harder you work, the luckier you seem to get. Um, back in those days, you know, when I was homeschooling the kids and there were some educational special needs there with my adopted kids. Um, so they needed a lot of time, a lot of one on one. So my work days were 18 to 20 hours that was pretty routine back then. I knew it was a season. I knew I couldn't do that forever because you're going to burn out if you're working like that all the time. Um, but it was a season and time. It served a purpose. Um, and sometimes you just got to do what you got to do um, to get to accomplish your goals, whatever that might be. I was very motivated to take care of my children, but um, both on the schooling side and on the financial side, you know, um, you know, but it was hard. And there were times that I didn't know how I was going to pay the mortgage. And, you know, or, or got behind on the mortgage. And, you know, and I just dug in harder and, and kept going. I think sometimes, you know, we don't. I, I you know, I think it's just sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Mm hmm. Yeah, basically, you had your back against the wall, and you said you wanted to give this incredible life to your kids, and basically, you had to do whatever you had to do. You had to burn all bridges, and you had to do whatever it takes, and sometimes that's what you got to do. Sometimes, you, you know, you had no other choice, but you, and you know, at times, you were behind on the mortgage, but you persevered. You didn't give up. You worked day and night. You were, you know, often you were doing 18 to 20-hour days, and like you said, you couldn't do that forever, but you could for a short burst of time. And because of that, you were so consistent in everything that you did because you you really had to because you want you wanted to survive you wanted your kids to survive you wanted to give them a great future, and because of that, um, you know, you, you this, that was your big why. And as a result, over the course of all these years, you've had great success. It wasn't easy, and as you mentioned, uh, some successful people when people look at them from from a distance, they say, "Wow, they it, it seems so easy for them." For, but for the mass majority of those people. It took them a long time. It was a lot of work, and a lot of them came from, you know, circumstances like you had. You know, they were struggling, but they found a way to make it work. And they just said they they made a decision one day, saying, "I'm going to do whatever it takes, and nothing's going to stop me." So, you know, you know, I, I think a lot of people listening are going to find this uh, uh, very inspirational. So, you know, talk a little bit about this uh, business you found in 2008, uh, Vertical Solutions Media. Um, you know, you know, how you, you know, how you started, how you built it up to be a very successful brand. You, you know, so initially, uh, the opportunity was, um, presented to me to, to, for a contract, a sales for hire contract with the local newspaper, the big paper here in Birmingham. And it, they had some custom publications that they, um, that their newspaper salespeople really didn't know how to sell. And so I actually started the business with the idea that it would I would create a sales team and we would be sales for hire. Um, and we were able to launch it with this one big contract. Well, about six months later that we had that 2008, as you recall, is when we had a big crash. 
and the real estate went down and, you know, everybody was laying off people left and right and businesses were um, kind of pulling in their purse strings and they really stopped buying a lot of uh, print advertising, which is what we were selling. And so I had to pivot. I had to. And so this kind of kind of resonates, I think, with a lot of people who haven't just come through the pandemic and they found their business in trouble because the marketplace shifted unexpectedly and they had to do something different to adjust. Right. And that's where I found myself shortly after starting that business and taking a leap from, you know, what was, you know, a, where I could have gone to a more stable, secure, you know, I say that with air quotes situation. Um, I chose instead the flexibility so that I could continue homeschooling my children. Um, but I found myself where I was like, okay, I got to do something different because this isn't going to work um, given what's happening in the marketplace. So I shifted it. And what had happened at the time is a lot of companies that were using the big marketing agencies were looking for alternatives where they could um, hire someone to do some of that kind of work, but not pay those big agency prices for them. And so they were looking for lower cost alternatives uh, for their marketing. So it actually was a good pivot for me um, to start focusing on that side of things, uh, which was my background anyway. And, um, you know, and so it proved successful. So even through all of that downturn, we actually grew. Um, and I had to get an office and hire staff. And, um, you know, so there was all of that was going through while other companies were struggling. We were actually thriving because we found a good gap um, in the marketplace. Anytime a marketplace shifts, um, it can be perceived as a negative, but there's always an opportunity. You know, anytime it shifts, it means that there's you just got to find the gap uh, in the shift and then fill the gap. Um, and that's basically what we did. No, that's that's very true. Uh, yeah, and and you know things happen all the time. You mentioned the two thousand eight crash. You know, originally originally started out uh, sales for hire contract with the newspaper, and you thought you're gonna hire this big team that's doing sales for hire. Then the crash happened, layoffs happened. Companies just didn't want to spend any money, and you realized after a certain point, you had to adjust what you were doing, and that happens mm -hmm. all the time. That and th that happened, as you mentioned, a couple years with the pandemic. People were doing their business a certain way. Um, there were a lot of people making money just speaking, but then the speaking engagement just dried up because no, you know, no one was holding events. So what did they do? That's right. They start. They, a lot of them shifted to well, they maybe add a different source of income, maybe home based business, whatever, or they were holding events virtually online. So people right. at least can do it. And, you know, obviously they wouldn't charge as much when having speaking events, but they could still do events, virtual events online. So that's why Zoom just took off three years ago, two or three years ago. Because before mm -hmm. 2020, you know, I use Zoom for a lot of years, but I can tell you the vast majority of people I know, very few of them use Zoom. Most of them had never even heard of it. But after after the pandemic, everything shifted and so many things were being held online, office meetings, business meetings, events, so many things. So people shifted. And that's what you did. You shifted back in 2008 and you found something. A lot of companies were using large uh, agencies but they were paying a lot of money. So they were looking for small energies, which, which can do much of the same work, but pay less. And that's the niche that you found as a result, uh, you started taking off. So um, is are many um, 
you know, one of the things you do is branding. Could you talk a little bit about branding? What does it mean to, you know, a, a big business as well as to a small business? Because I think sometimes people don't realize the importance of branding for their business. Yeah, and I, I would say it is one of the most important things for your business to get right. Um, I, I feel like there's four elements. If I had to break it down, because brand is, is a big thing. It's a, you know, and it can feel overwhelming. Like when I, I teach... Um, different seminars and workshops and things around brands. And a lot of times people are just like, I can see their eyes like getting big because they just didn't realize how much goes into brands. They were thinking, well, I have a logo. I have a brand, right? Um, so there's really four elements if you want to have an effective brand. Um, one is strategy. One is really, you know, it's just digging around into, you know, who is your customer, um, and just having an awareness of that, um, understanding how to speak to that customer, understanding how you solve their problems, um, and crafting a strategy that makes sense for your company and for your customers. Um, the second thing that makes a powerful brand is passion. Um, passion is contagious. And if you have a genuine passion for your brands, it's going to show and it's going to be catchy. Other people's will catch it. Um, so you you want to you not be afraid of giving your brand transparency um, because you want your customers to understand why you love doing what you do, why you love serving them so well. The third thing is relevance. Um, if, if you don't solve a problem for your customers, it, it's not going to matter because um, why would it, right? Relevancy sparks interest and curiosity and will move customers through your funnel. So you need to under take the time to understand who is your ideal customer, what are their pain points, and how are you solving that problem? And then the fourth thing is value. You know, a great brand is going to provide value. It goes above and beyond. One of the things that we teach inside our Time to Thrive membership which was something that we started during the pandemic to help small business owners is, is we teach something called touch point mapping. And this goes to the value aspect of your brand. And what we do is we teach them how to map the customer journey by every point, every touch point where they make an impression on their customer, whether it be human product or, or system. Um, and then you want to, analyze all those touch points and see how you can elevate them so you can wow, surprise, and delight your customers in unexpected ways. Everybody gets the big things right, but not everybody gets the small things right. You know, not everybody does the small things in ways that really capture your attention. And if you want to create raving fans, which is what a powerful brand does, it creates you know, loyalty and uh, people who talk about you and can't stop talking about you. And if you want to achieve that in your business, you have to go beyond what your competitors are doing. You might all provide a service, um, you know, in an excellent way, but the experience your customers have when they're working with you versus your competitors is the difference. That is where you can really rise above. Um, and that's where you have your brand reputation um, become something that people are going to talk about. Mm -hmm. 
No, thanks for breaking that down to four elements of branding. Number one, the strategy, you know, by your customer, how to speak to them, how to do, you know, take care of their problems. Having passion, I think that's very, uh, very important. Yeah. If people can sense your passion, they're going to say, wow, this is really great stuff. Yes. And and in the relevance, you know, like you said, it doesn't matter if you don't solve their problems, they're not going to care and the value, provide the value and do more what your competitors do. Because I think, you know, sometimes businesses forget their competitors out there and, you know, it, it, they're not merely going to be loyal to you. It's going to take a lot of time and effort looking after and nurturing your customers. And then that, that happened at the beginning. You have a lot of other competitors. I think sometimes people forget that. And and you'd say not, not everyone does the small things all right. So, you know, you mentioned a couple of things that, you know, you know, small business needs to do better that they don't do. Could you talk a little bit more about what some of the other mistakes of like the marketing mistakes that are made by small businesses, which can hurt them in not growing their business and getting more uh, customers? Yeah. So one marketing, one huge mistake that I see a lot of uh, business owners making is that they fail to plan. The plan is in their head, which really isn't a plan. Those are some thoughts they have that are rambling around in there. And then if it's not written down, it's subject to change at any moment. It's highly influenced. You know, getting a plan in writing um, is your guardrails. I call them like the safety guardrails that help keep you in your lane. Um, but here's the thing. I think a lot of reasons why business owners are not writing down their marketing plans is because the world keeps changing so quickly that our plans become outdated. Um, you know, in you know, we do a one-year plan and we're about four months in and we're like, okay, our plan's no longer working right. Um, so then they think, well, why do a plan? I'll just do it in my head and I'll just adapt as I go. So what we teach in the Time to Thrive membership is a 90-day marketing plan that's done in 30-day cycles. And we adopted that agile methodology that a lot of the software as a service, um, you know, is a SaaS, software as a service. A lot of those um, programmers kind of use that agile methodology. It's like, you know, that uh, test, review, tweak, and then and relaunch and it's it's very cyclical in their approach to things so we we teach that methodology as part of your marketing in 30 day cycles over a 90 day period and so it allows you to spend as little money as possible um, determine what the best roi is at any given moment so that you can shift and adapt to the things that are working really well and stop doing the things that aren't before they cost you too much money. Um, another mistake that um, I see business owners making is that their marketing strategy is built based on which salespeople visited them recently. Um, so they might have someone coming in from, you know, a, a digital uh, company or a uh, newspaper or a particular magazine in the area or, you know, so, somebody who does social media stuff or whatever. And so instead of really having a bird's eye view of their own business, because even if you're not all business owners are marketing people, in fact, few of them are, right? And so, yes, you can outsource marketing, but you as the business owner have to have enough skill and enough knowledge to be able to maintain the strategy that is the bird's eye view for your business so you can drive it. Um, 
And so just allowing salespeople to convince you that this is a good place to put money is not a strategy. Um, that's information. And you still need to understand, you know, how that fits into and integrates with everything else that you're doing and filter it back through your brand, filter it back through who your customer segments are, filter it back through, is this the right messaging? Is this where my customers are hanging out? Am I going to be able to reach them? Um, and is this the best return on my marketing investment? Mm-hmm. That's some good stuff there. Um, yeah, I like, especially the first one, failed to plan. You know, they failed to plan. They don't put in writing because they figured things will change. I like your, uh, you know, you know, they say, why should I even bother? Because it's going to change in a, few, in a month or two or three. So I like the idea you have this 90-day marketing plan and 30-day cycle. So that after each 30-day cycle, you can see if something needs to shift. You need some adapt to certain things. So this way, you know, you have everything done and written down. You can still keep looking. It's not fixed for like a year. Like you said, things have changed with the way technology is. I mean, a lot of things have changed. So I, I like that 90-day uh, marketing plan in 30-day seconds. Right. What, actually, one of the tools that we use for that is Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O, if you're familiar with Trello. So I actually have built a template that is the 90-day marketing plan for a business owner in Trello. And that's something that our members um, get access to. And so what it allows them to is like it becomes plug and play rather than them trying to sit down with a Word document and type out something, you know, it's like trying to do a book report. If you're not someone who likes to do book reports, it's just it becomes not very fun. So, you know, I try and do and create these frameworks for our members in the Time to Thrive membership so that even if you're not a marketing person, even if you're not somebody who's really comfortable with that process, it becomes plug and play, makes it a little easier um, to do things that make sense for your business. No, absolutely. I've used Trello in the past. It's uh, definitely a good tool to use. To to so I definitely recommend people take a look at it. And, you know, and you mentioned before strategy, you know, a lot of uh, businesses, they, they have a strategy that's built upon what's, you know, which salespeople have visited them. And instead of instead of just accepting, they need to think about how does it integrate, how does it fit in, how does it relate to their customer, and they get needs to decide: do they use a lot of it? Do they use some of it? Do they make changes and uh, you know, you know, put in all little tweaks with? So a lot of those things, like you said, you can need to understand all you know part of it, you know, too, see how it works, and not just accept what the salespeople tell you. So that'll be some good stuff. And you, we've been talking about technology, so. Um, one of the issues, because so much is everything's you know done on computers, mobile phones, and stuff like that, and and sometimes businesses get too involved in all the technology, and they sometimes forget the personal touch of dealing with people. I Meaning they forget about the relationships. How how can a, a business owner you know maintain that personal touch with their clients, even though everything's so technology driven nowadays? Yeah, that's a great question. So you know, one of the ways we we you know again I. I go back to the touch point mapping because that's the opportunity where you can really identify those areas where you can um, elevate that touch point. So if you're using technology, you could look at that and say, technology is not bad. If, if it's serving your customers in a, in a good way, then technology is a good thing. If it's allowing you uh, efficiencies and productivity within your business is a good thing. Um, and sometimes we can just look at um, those touch points and we can say, okay, should this be technology 
only or should this be uh, have a human element or should we create a hybrid of the two? Um, I also, a lot of times if we can use technology to personalize, that's one way to kind of still maintain that sense of relationship. Um, you know, if you send out an email, you can have it say, you know, hi, so-and-so uh, versus just a form form letter, you know? So there's ways that you can use technology to create kind of that personalization. Um, and I think too, you know, I, again, I go to those unexpected ways that we can wow, surprise and delight because we, we do live in a, a world that is not getting any nicer, <laughs> right? And just so showing our customers some gratitude and some appreciation for their business. Um, if, if, you know, a handwritten card will blow somebody's mind when it comes from a company and they weren't expecting it. If you ship out product and you just put, you know, have a little insert that you put in your card, instead of just putting the printed insert in there, you just have whoever packed it right on the back. Thanks for your business and their first name. And that create, you know, there's these small little ways that really don't take any, money or time or extra from you as a company, but go a long way to really surprise the customer. Um, because that now instead of just this printed card, which feels cold and impersonal, they have a handwritten note from the person who packed it. Um, so you've, every business is different. So that's why you have to sit down and really think through your customer's journey and what their experience looks like and how you can elevate that with some personal touches. Yeah. No, that definitely some really good stuff there. Number one, you know, you talked about search point map, and then you talk about the, you know, using technology to be personal, like sending an email to say, hi, Bill, hi, Karen. A lot of times instead of getting those, that look like cut and paste messages. I get so many of them, especially on, on Facebook. It's like, and, and I'll get them from like three or four people. So it's obviously the same person told them to send it. I'm like saying, you know, it's, you know be more personal. And like you said, when you, you know sending a customer you know uh, a hat and card or at least a note in the package you, that you sent them makes a big difference. I've gotten those, and I can tell you, I was saying, wow, this person say, hey Victor, I just want to say thank you for your, I really appreciate, it. and they're signed their name. I was like, I, that, yeah. you know, that that made, that definitely made an impression on me, and um, and and I can tell you, it, it it those little things make a big difference. It it helps separate you from. The competition and it made me think of something there was a guy i think his name was joe gerard he was like the number one auto salesman in the country for many years and one of the things he used to do was like you know you talk about writing cards he would send you know cards to people several times a year you know just saying hi you know just thanking it for being there he wasn't asking for anything and he would you know send them to all the people who bought a car from him in, in the past and and this way they they you know he stayed in their mind and very often when they went to buy another car guess what they would go to him they would tell their friends about him all because he kept in touch and sent them these little cards you know more happy morally happy labor not just necessarily you know merry christmas happy new year but he was like he would do it for all times of the year and he would send several different cards personalized and it was one of the reasons why he was the top salesman in the industry so like you said it's that personal touch you were talking about it makes a huge difference. So uh, people just seem to forget about no matter what, these businesses are still people businesses. So if you treat them, make them feel special, valued, appreciated, uh, they're much more likely to remain fans of yours and, and just be there with you. And, and here's the thing, because you know this very well. 
it is so much easier to keep a current customer than to get a new one. Would you agree? Yes. And it's also much easier to get your current customer to tell others about you than it is to spend a lot of money talking to people who don't know you at all. Um, so, you know, investing in your customers is in, in terms of keeping that relationship going, staying in front of awareness, creating uh, referral programs, creating reward programs if they refer people, you know, all those kind of things um, are very effective ways of growing a business. No, absolutely no definitely and you know it's a great point you made about the fact they'll tell they'll tell all their friends they're you know, about about you as well it's much easier to have them tell them than to go find more customers so better to you know say carry your customers they'll tell their friends about you so definitely a great point so one of the things i also want to ask about is like you know people who are starting their own business you know you know maybe it's a marketing business or any kind of business what are some of the things you could recommend to them, you know, starting off and, you know, the things to expect and maybe some pitfalls they may not be aware? Because I think sometimes when entrepreneurs get started, they just think everything's going to be smooth sailing. And, and you know, very well, that's not the case. So would you like to just yeah. share your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, it, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say. Right. And so one of the things for me looking backwards is um, I spent a lot of time and money trying to figure stuff out on my own. And we have so many great resources now. Um, that's one of the reasons why we started the Time to Thrive membership was so that business owners would have a place to go. It's very affordable. It And they have support, training, coaching, all those things. Oh my gosh, that would have been such a game changer for me when I started. Um, and of course, you know, back when you're starting out, you're watching every single penny because every penny you spend is coming out of your pocket and um, you want to make sure that you're getting a return on that. So, you know, that's something to, um, you know, as a new business owner, make sure you're spending the money wisely on things that are, are quick turns. Like when you first get started, you need cash flow. You need to get revenue going because that's going to support your long-term success but sometimes they make the mistake of thinking they have to have you know the fanciest uh, graphics or packaging or you know all these things before they've even proved concepts so um, it's important when you come up with something new you're if you're launching a product or a new service make sure you get uh, proof of concept before you invest a lot of money in it um, because it's just, you are not necessarily your customer. In fact, most of the time you're not your customer. And, but a new business owner, a lot of times in their head, they think people are going to love it because they love it. And so you, you got to step back from that and go, I'm not my customer. I need to consider what's important to my customer. What are the pain points? In the, and it goes back to that planning process, right? Because that's what forces you to really think through those customer segments, what's important to them so you can learn how to talk to them. And then prove your concept by going to that, find that audience, find that community and say, hey, I'm putting together this product. I'm putting together this service. Give me some feedback. Um, would this be something you would want to buy? How much would you pay for this uh, particular item? And because you, you can't do everything in your own head. You, I mean, you can, but you'll make a lot of mistakes if you do. So if you're just open to 
exploring things with before you spend a lot of money launching it out there and really making sure what you're putting together meets the needs of your customers. Yeah, no, that's really some uh, really good advice there. Uh, number one, uh, trying to figure things out on your own is very, very difficult. So and, you know, if you can get some coaching or mentoring and, you know, and you, like you say, you guys offer stuff that's not too expensive. And uh, so people can look into things like that. Um, so, cause especially in the beginning, it's money's very tight. So, um, right. def but definitely, but once the situation gets a little bit better, you definitely look into the consistent, eventually you could probably figure out all these things out on your own, but you know, it could take you 10, 20 years. Why waste those 10, 20 years when someone can help you show it and you can learn it in a few months, save you all that time and frustration. Right. Cause like sometimes people don't look at the big picture. Some people just see it as an expense, but if you see it as an investment that can give you that rate of return that you were talking about, it just can help you. Hey they helped me save 10 years and then i started making money definitely look, look into that because it's uh don't be penny wise and pound foolish you know yeah look, look that's a great it. phrase yeah and um and i like what you say you are not your customer and i think a lot of people make this mistake they think because they like something the customer will like it and i see people who like have e-commerce stores make this mistake they say oh, i love this item i play with this uh, game all the time then they try to sell it no one buys it and I know other people who are like saying, I hate this toy. It's annoying, but I know people like it. So they sell it. And you know what? They make a lot of money because they're looking at what people are, what's trending, what is popular. So they say, I don't care if I like it. All that matters is, does the customer like it? So they look to find products that people are looking to buy. And that makes a huge difference. And you mentioned the point, get feedback, talk to certain people and say, hey, you know, how does this look? How do, would you buy this? You know? Uh, you know, how am I doing the strategy? You know, get some feedback from me or, you know, five or 10 people and they can give you some very helpful stuff because trying to, you know, the thing is we all have biases when we're trying to do it on our own, but we get unbiased reviews, um, unbiased you know, ideas from other people that say, yeah, this will work, this will not work. And you listen to it, you're going to be so much more successful. So, um, Bethany, as we're getting toward the end of our interview, are there any other last minute uh, pieces of advice you'd like to leave for our audience or, you know, looking into branding or marketing or, you know, you know, setting up a business or any, you know, coaching, you know, what, what you know, any other last minute, last minute pieces of advice you'd like to share? Yeah, one thing that we haven't talked about um, that I think is also super important is mindset. Mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to get derailed because of your own fear, uh, your own insecurities. Uh, we're all going to struggle with imposter syndrome. We got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable uh, if we want to grow, because if we stay in our comfort zone, we're not going anywhere. Um, so, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, uh, I think, you know, I, I would almost say it's 90% mindset and 10% everything else. Um, because if your mindset's not right, um, you're going to struggle. Um, and that's not just Skittles and rainbows kind of stuff where you just like raw, raw yourself in the mirror. I think that's really digging in to go, okay, like, and I, I actually have a new book. Um, that's coming out and it's called the juggle is real finding su um, success and balance as a mompreneur and one of the things I talk about in there um, is my own personal struggle because my my dad my dad was when I was growing up he was very particular he had high standards and so he tended to be very critical 
And so as an adult, that manifests in me as perfectionism and things are never quite good enough. So I had to work on that because it, it became an impediment to my success because I didn't want to let anything go out into the universe because I kept redoing it. It wasn't good enough. I wanted to make it better. And it was just like this thing that would always happen. So then it becomes this hindrance to me moving forward. And so I think that's one of the things that we have to um, is we're human and we we're flawed and we have these things. And if we think that we're perfect uh, or we think we don't have any issues, that is our issue. Um, so everybody has issues and we need to be aware of them so that we can work on them and move towards making it better and overcoming those things that are holding us back. If we have a fear of failure, we're never going to take a chance. If we have yeah, fear of success, we're going to back on up when we feel success starting to get traction. Um, so, you know, these are just things, important things um, from a mindset perspective. A coach really is helpful because a lot of times we can't see our own stuff. We can't see the forest for the trees. So sometimes just having a coach, somebody, a business coach, a life coach, whatever you want to call it, just somebody who you check in with a couple of times a month and they can do a lot as far as identifying those things and helping you work past them. Yeah. I, I totally agree with everything you just said. Uh, mindset is so huge. Everything starts with it because uh, there are a lot of people that know what to do, but for some reason they don't take the actions. And why is because of the mindset, mm -hmm. what you have in your subconscious mind, things that are sabotaging you. A lot of it comes back, you know, from the upbringing. Like you shared the uh, experience with your father and, you know, you fell into this, you know, perfectionism and stuff like that. And perfectionism leads to a lot of action not being taken because you want everything to be perfect, but the conditions will never be perfect. So what happens very often, you don't take any action or you take very little action because what you would, you have to realize from getting out of your comfort zone, things will get perfect when you take the action. Why? Because you'll make mistakes, but then you'll make adjustments, you'll make tweaks and things will get better and better, but the conditions are never perfect. And that's why perfection very often don't succeed. So, you learn from your experience and you share the stuff about coaches and mentors. They can help you uh, um, uncover those blocks that have been signed. A lot of times you may not even be aware of it. A lot of times it could be something that happened when you were four or five years old from something that happened growing up with your parents or your teachers or someone. And you didn't realize that it's been sabotaging you. And when you become aware of it, you're saying, wow, this is what's been stopping me for the last 30 years. And then you can work on uh, making it better. You know, people have fear of success, yeah. fear of failure. All these things stop us. Fear, and people don't realize most fears are learned. You're only born with two fears, the fear of a lot of noises and the fear of falling down. Every other fear is learned. And we it stops so many people. They're not even aware of it because so, the vast majority of the decisions are made in the subconscious mind. And when you learn to work on it, like you said, it's not just saying raw, raw, saying, you know, that's nice, but it's a lot of work. You know, a lot of people do visualization, yeah. meditation, all kinds of things, reading books, just surrounding themselves with successful people and, you know, watching a lot of motivational stuff. There's a lot of work involved, but all that stuff pays huge dividends in the end. So I'm glad you brought that up at the end. 
work on your mind. It's not enough to know the skills. You do need to, you do need to know the skills because your skills pay the bills. That's absolutely true. But if your mind says not where it is, it, you're going to find a way. To, and even if you make some money, you find a way to blow, which is why the vast majority of lottery winners are broke within five years because their mindset is messed up. It's not set up to handle right. money. So they find ways to get rid of it. So I'm really glad you brought that up. So a couple of questions. Noah, can you mention the name of that book you have that came out? Is it The Struggle is Real? It's yeah, it's the juggle is real. Oh, the juggle is real. Okay, very yeah. Good. Okay, so definitely people be on the lookout for that because I'm sure Bethany has some really great stuff to share in that book. And one last thing before we let you go, Bethany, again, number one, thanks again for being on the show. We really appreciate it. you share a lot of great stuff, a lot of great tips. So I know a lot of people got a lot of value uh, for what you shared today. If people want to get in touch you, what is the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, so the if you have interest in the Time to Thrive membership, it's uh, timetothrive.zone uh, is the website where you can see all the different programs that are in there uh, that support uh, small business owners, solopreneurs. Uh, we have about a third of our members are real estate agents um, because, you know, they are business owners in, the, in their own right. Um, and then the agency side is verticalsolutionsmedia.com. Awesome. Great. Thanks again for being on the show. Really appreciate it, Bethany. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.